right, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network. The podcast that much like this year, this football season, and late career Randy Quaid doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate. Andy, you shimmering human version of Thanksgiving. How the hell are you on this Thanksgiving Eve? We're celebrating victory tonight, my friend, across two different sports. So, you know, I'm very well today. I am well. And Thanksgiving's tomorrow, you know, going to tolerate the family and, you know, drink all day. So can't be mad about that. Yeah, you brought up several great things there. Uh, two wins that we will be discussing, um, which is a far cry from where we've been the last couple weeks. Eve of Thanksgiving and don't have to worry about the dreaded Ohio State matchup, which would normally be this weekend. I'd have to be back in Ohio where the sun only shines for six hours a year. And this year I will be uh, celebrating, making my own turkey, watching football from the comfort of my own home with copious amounts of alcohol. So. Things are just fine. It's nice not to be stressed out over Thanksgiving. I never knew what this felt like. Everyone else would just enjoy it, and all I'm thinking about is, all right, we're two nights away. wonder what the game plan is. How are we going to adjust? What's going to happen? But now I'm like, we're playing a winless Penn State team, so I'm a little more rested, even though you know my concerns for this team persist. Yes, usually this is the time of, uh, time of year where you and I are getting overly hyped and uh, maybe a little bit overboard about our chances in that game so this year you know no false expectations i have reasonable expectations that we can beat a very bad penn state team and if we don't well you know my life doesn't really change that much it keeps on turning the expectations aren't there this time last year we were two days away from hanging out again in ohio with your parents and then heading up to ann arbor for what we thought was going to be victory and again like most of this century it was a letdown (laughs) Yes, it really was. I spent the whole second half of the game trying to flirt with the waitress who clearly wasn't into it. <laughs> <laughs> I was eating waffles and trying to hold back tears while drinking gin martinis. Smoked my last cigarette. Haven't had a cigarette since the last Michigan Ohio State game. I'm not going to say when I had my last cigarette, but we'll keep going. <laughs> That's fine. It's neither here nor there. We're getting off topic. Let's get on topic, uh, which is Michigan basketball. The most current topic, as Michigan literally just wrapped as we're recording this, 96-82 to start the season 1-0. and And Bowling Green, a feisty opponent, and... Michigan still, you know, figuring out what they've got with this roster. It's a drastically dis- different roster. You've got guys, uh, transfers playing a huge role in this one, but a, a good solid victory to start the season and definitely some positives to glean away. Notably the transfers, like I just mentioned, Mike Smith and Sean Day Brown really standing out for the Wolverines. Yeah, Mike Smith is the most slept on baller apparently in the country. He's currently mentored by a current NBA all-star Jimmy Butler he was sixth nationally in scoring a Division One at Columbia, averaged 22.8 points a game, and just seamlessly blended in with this team. I was shocked at this and how we just went under the radar with us. Yeah, I mean, with a name like Mike Smith, it's easy to get lost in the shuffle of things, but I definitely was for- focused more on the Sean Day Brown signing. But yeah, the number six scorer in the nation is now on the Wolverines, and we have an absolute microwave uh, to, to go along with the rest of a pretty balanced roster, a very long roster, uh, young at center behind Austin Davis, who probably, if you had to say, was the one weak link. But uh, freshman Hunter Dickinson comes in and looks every bit the part and looks ready to play and contribute. And yeah, having Mike Smith at the guard position and not having to rely on Zeb Jackson, 
replacing Jeff Jackson. <laughs> it, it, it's going to be really nice for this team, and it raises their ceiling exponentially. Yeah. Like, you don't want to be playing freshman guards going into the tourney. Exactly. And Isaiah Livers, who we haven't even touched on, just came in super polished with 17-9 and nine tonight. And Michigan didn't play perfect, and this wasn't a pushover Bowling Green team. They wanted to run and gun, and Michigan proved to be more up for the task than they probably thought. Had 10 turnovers, which they can cut back on, but for the first game of the year in just a weird season, I was very pleased with this effort. Yes, absolutely. I didn't get to watch. I've only got to watch highlights because like normal people, I was at work and didn't quite get to tune in, but I will be going back to watch more than just highlights. I'm excited to see what Brandon Johns off the bench can do. Um, you got to like the the punch coming off the bench with the freshman Williams, the highly recruited freshman, Brandon Johns with another year who looks really imposing there. And then Dickinson, Zeb Jackson, Shonday Brown coming off the bench. Shonday Brown had 19 points off the bench. Yeah, Shonday Brown was one of my standards. I loved Hunter Dickinson. Everything from Hunter Dickinson I was a fan of in this game. Yeah, I think he's going to get more and more minutes as the season goes along just because of the limitations of Davis. It's it's an interesting team, though, and I think you hit on it early about the best. Uh, the best word about it is balance. There's a lot of balance. Like Davis was underwhelming, but there's so much balance around him that it's not just overly glaring. It's, it stands out in a subtle way. It's, oh, we can improve here, and with Hunter Dickinson, we can. And with a balanced roster like this, Jawan Howard, more games under your belt, more continuity in the team with the transfers, I like this team. I like it, too. I like the small ball athletic lineup that they can go with, too, with Terrence Williams at the five or Brandon Johns at the five, one of those two athletic forwards that can move around. I mean, because they've got length, Franz Wagner being 6'10 now, who rolled his ankle in this one, so limited a little bit, but looked fine in, in limited time. So long, athletic, got some scoring pop with Brooks and Brown. Um, Livers, you know what you're getting. He's extremely balanced, two-way player. Wagner, I think, is going to be a solid two-way player. I agree about Dickinson. So this could be a really, really good team. Jawan Howard's the man. I'm excited to watch more of him, and it's a good start to the season. It's going to be a lot of fun. And the only thing to keep in mind, really keep in mind for the next game, is is Franz, Franz Wagner going to be seven feet by then? Is he going to keep growing? <laughs> I assume Franz Wagner's just going to go until he leaves our atmosphere. I think so, too. I mean, he's already halfway there. Yeah, that dude is a beast, man. And, yeah, he looks good. He looks like he put on some weight, too. So not his best game, but rolled his ankle, like I said. I think he'll end up being a stud. Uh, I was wrong thinking he'd be our number one scorer, though, because I clearly underrated or didn't bother Googling Mike Smith. Yeah, and, like, Shonda Brown with 19 and Isaiah Livers, like, oh, yeah, I'm still here, too. <laughs> yeah, that's a lot. I mean, if somebody's having an off night, you got plenty of guys to defer to. So plenty of scoring options. And Terrence Williams is only going to get better. He's going to be a stud for us. Zeb Jackson from my hometown, super high on him. So I, I love the composition of this team. Yeah, I think with the like we talked about the youth, the inexperience, and the transfers are only going to get better the more they play together. Absolutely, man. Absolutely. You ready to switch from something that looked like a competent game to uh, what I can best describe as a circus tent catching fire? But it was a winning circus tent catching fire, baby. <laughs> it was a, somehow a net positive circus tent fire. <laughs> that we cashed in the insurance money. We won. <laughs> I mean, at times it definitely looked like that. Like I was just imagining like a unicycling bear trying to escape the flaming wreckage of, of the circus tent at times. This, but this entire game, I just had monkey, like the, 
wind up monkey banging symbols in my head. That's how I felt watching this. That's game. yeah, exactly. That's how I came up with circus tent fire. I was like, this is pure nonsense. How many fourth downs were there? Triple overtime, missed field goals, uh, fumbles, and it, just weird, weird plays. It was Rutgers for the love of God. I mean, so it starts out weird right off the bat. It was, it was weird. And at the end of the game, I felt bad for Rutgers. I was like, they deserve to win this game. They for sure deserve to win that game. I mean, they definitely don't have the talent to match Michigan, but looked much better than Michigan all day. Generally, I will say that team deserves to win the, the scrappier team. But, I mean, Michigan also, to their credit, scrapping. Kind of knew that this could really, really either make or break. Not really make or break the season. That sounds wrong. It's Rutgers. It's never going to make or break the season. But it'd be easy to just let the slide continue all the way down for the rest of the year. This gives you a chance to get above 500. Yes, this was a turning point. It could be a turning point in the season. And that's thanks to one person, and that's Cade McNamara. Yes. Yeah, if we're going to talk positives, that's definitely the place to start. Uh, take us through what you saw out of Cade Mack that you liked. Um, Everything. <laughs> so <laughs> Cade McNamara comes in. Michigan's already trailing 17 to nothing. It feels like a here we go again kind of feel to it. The team is down. There's no energy. Three plays later, he throws an absolute bomb to Cornelius Johnson, and suddenly it's 17-7, and there's some life in the team. Uh, McNamara finished 27-36, of 36, 260, four touchdowns, a fifth if you could his rushing one. Only the fifth time a Michigan quarterback under Jim Harbaugh has thrown for four touchdowns or more, and he did it in less than two and a half quarters. Yes. I mean, obviously you're going to say it's Rutgers and you should do that. But here's the thing. Quarterbacks simply haven't done that under Harbaugh. You can count the occurrences on one hand because we bring them up all the time. You know, we'll go through them now. It's Jake Rudock late season year one for about two games versus Indiana and Florida. And it's Shea Patterson for Indiana and Michigan State last year. I mean, that's the really standout quarterback performances under Jim Harbaugh. And then you get Cade McNamara coming in as a redshirt freshman with not even a full game. I mean, he came in in the second quarter with 418 left, right? Yeah, yeah late. 445 left, yeah. And he scores within 30 seconds. I mean, say all you want about Rutgers, but they have a better secondary and a better overall defense than Michigan does. Exactly. And they're, well, they're more coached and more motivated to win this game. Yes, and some of those throws were flat-out dimes. And do, do you have a favorite throw? Because I have one that I think really – Really, I mean, and you touched on one off air that I thought was a good example, but a good example of why he's the guy moving forward. My favorite is the one I just mentioned uh, prior. It was the deep bomb to Cornelius Johnson, the third play of him being in the game because of the touch on it and or the lack of touch is a better word. He just took enough off the ball just to get it to him. He didn't try to force the play, make the issue, make it a drop, uh, drop in the bucket kind of a catch. Cornelius Johnson's wide open by 10 yards. He just gets the ball to him and lets him walk in for a touchdown. Joe Milton couldn't do that all season. He was just too busy trying to force the issue. And McNamara's like, I just want points. Got the ball to him, and that set the tone. Yeah, you don't have to make a great throw there and hit him in stride because he was wide open. I mean, Cornelius Johnson was over there landing a helicopter, and Milton has missed a few of those throws. Shea Patterson last year missed several of those deep throws, and he just threw it up to where his guy could go get it. And we'll talk about Cornelius Johnson here in a minute, but that's what you need to do. I wanted to touch on, well, there was the fourth and five slant to, to uh, Chris Evans, but that was really a great play call by Josh Gaddis. We need to see more of that, but it was a solid throw. But the touchdown to Nick Eubanks on a quick little pop pass, he goes 
left shoulder and the uh, defender was on the interior on the right shoulder. So he's the only guy that has a chance at that. And it wasn't really a very pretty throw, but it's a smart throw. And it shows me like an understanding of, you know, the football field, like what's going on in the football field, looking off other guys, not necessarily on that play, but it was just an intelligent throw where only his guys making a play. And I was like, all right, this kid may actually be, you know, something special more than a game manager, which some people seem to be labeling him as. That's absolutely ridiculous. He saved he potentially saved Michigan's season, at least made them competent to be able to score with opponents. And that's a very nuanced throw. You described it perfectly. He just understood what to do with the ball to make it where his guy could score and the other guy couldn't. It doesn't have to be pretty as long as it works. He completed 75% of his passes in a game in relief when he only thought there was a chance he was going to see one or two series. He had an opportunity and took it. No, this if you call him a game manager, I just want to fight you in the street. That is absurd. <laughs> It is dumb, and I mean, he's got every bit the talent that Shea Patterson does, and I think a stronger arm. I mean, in fact, I feel pretty confident in saying a stronger arm. He had some zip on some of those passes out to the hash. Yeah, and this is a game, like, if Michigan loses this game with him start, like, in the game, they're probably going back to Milton the next week, because what's the point? You know, he can't get it done. Milton was in there and was okay. Cornelius Johnson fumbled, maybe broke his momentum. You know, Cade McNamara sees the job. He has the best quarterback name in the country. His name is Cade McNamara. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, I mean, I don't understand how you can leave this game and not be excited about what you saw from him. Yeah, I don't I don't understand that either. And you called it in your, your article about what we learned. Uh, it is the best pure quarterback name since Colt McCoy. It is just, it's untouchable. Like, it is so good. Like, all, Mac Daddy, I mean, they just roll off the tongue, like, could pick up all these nicknames for him. We're going to have a field. Oh, yeah. yeah, I might go. Uh, I, I'm leaning more towards like a secretary of defense, Robert McNamara thing. Maybe maybe sec def. We'll talk about it. We got some time to work up a nickname for him, but he's earned it. And uh, we could go also could do something with the bleach tips, but I don't really care. You can dip your whole skull in bleach so long as you're playing like that. I don't even care. I'm not even going to make fun of you for that, which I should. If you have frosted tips and you're throwing four touchdown passes in less than three quarters, you can do whatever you want. <laughs> Frost them more. I don't care. That is that is that is just BDE. That is confidence. Like you have frosted tips, like and you're just going to play like that. Okay, sir. Do what you please. Sweet. Have my yeah. have my daughter. <laughs> yeah, have my daughter. Frost your back here. I don't care. <laughs> Just keep completing 75% of your passes and winning games. Yeah, absolutely. Five total touchdowns. So, yeah, great, great effort from Cade McNamara. Hassan Haskins has, I would say, also clearly asserted himself as the number one back with Zach Charbonnet be, maybe being right behind him. But Haskins, I would say, is your clear number one. 111 yards in a game. Um, first time since 2016 that we've had a wide receiver with over 105 yards and a running back with over 105 yards uh, just kind of goes to show you with uh, both Cornelius Johnson and Haskins setting marks that really haven't been set under Harbaugh, how uh, limited it has been with impact players. But I really think we have one with Haskins and he played great, especially in the second half. Yeah. He had some cuts that were just unbelievable. You mentioned it off air. It's like, did he just get shiftier in the off season? Like, yeah. Like what? I mean, he was a linebacker two years ago. He started out last year as our fourth string running back. I, I love it. I love everything I've seen from Haskins. I've always been a huge Haskins fan. And I mean, this game, he carried Michigan at times with some of those drives helped open up McNamara. McNamara helped open up him. And the balance of this team is, you said something we haven't seen since 2016. And with the talent at the skill positions here, man, it felt good to finally see it utilized. And I get that it's Rutgers, 
but a win is a win, and they're coming few and far between these years. And to see the potential of this team makes me excited. We're gonna have to keep, you know, prefacing our excitement with that. Like we know it's Rutgers, we get it, but you know, it's it's also a win, and I enjoy talking about Michigan football after a win. And I mean, we also said this off air that I love the talent on, especially on offense. Like some of the potential of these guys is is astronomical. So it's not like we just got a bunch of scrubs out there and there's no way we're ever going to get better. No, these guys on offense in particular, I mean, and you got guys emerging like Cornelius Johnson, who we'll talk about next. Like there's some real studs on offense. Yeah, like this was a quiet game from Roman Wilson, who by all accounts had been the best receiver so far of the season. Now it's hard. It's hard to say now, but I would say Cornelius Johnson and Ronnie Bell have kind of separated themselves as one and two. I love Ronnie Bell so much. I mean, he didn't have a huge game statistically, but he was out there. His blocking, I mean, you could tell he wants to be there. I love Ronnie Bell as well. I mean, that is a Michigan man right there. You can't can't hate on him. Not in my presence. Is he a junior? Uh, well, anyone can come back, so it doesn't matter what Facts. you are. It doesn't matter. Come back for another year, except for maybe Carlo. I'm just kidding, Carlo. You can come back. We still need him as much as you're like, yeah, let's move on. Who are we going to go to? We're playing Jess Spate in this game. <laughs> Facts. Can't, I mean, can't argue. I mean, eventually Braden McGregor is going to get healthy, and if Hutchinson, Pay, there's no way Quiddy Pay comes back. No. But you might bring back Hutchinson, McGregor, Carlo Kemp at age 31. <laughs> Where's um, David Ojabo this season? Uh, I think he got banged up. Uh, our defensive ends, I mean, we got serious injuries going on right now. Yeah. I believe he's banged up too. So he's not on the milk carton yet? No, no. I saw him play, uh, was it last? I think against Wisconsin. He got some run, but I mean, we're, we're so depleted everywhere. Everyone's going to have to play. So, um, so moving on Cornelius Johnson, who we kind of talked about good for him, uh, early on with the fumble, didn't let it get in his head, came back and had one of the biggest days for a Michigan wide receiver under the heart in the Harbaugh era. Looks like a a contested ball kind of guy, a deep threat for him can uh, stretch the field. His post move is, is really strong. Not Nico Collins strong, but he's got a good post. I think he'll be a player for us. I think so as well. He just seems to be getting more and more polished as the season goes along. It's nice to have a true number one kind of emerge and not losing the fact that you have Giles Jackson, Mikey Sanderson, Ronnie Bell, even Chris Evans, like playing a lot of receiver and playing well. I mean, what's Chris Evans on that fourth and five you talked about? Like what trust? Yeah, no, Chris Evans, I think, needs more touches. I mean, it's it's troublesome because we have a lot of guys that need touches and it was it was unfortunate and I really like Milton. I really want things to work out for him still, but he just couldn't get the ball into these guys' hands. They need a lot of touches, all of them. I mean, who are you going to really, I mean, because like you said, Roman Wilson, A.J. Henning, I would like them to get touches too, but who are you going to sacrifice touches for? Corum, Evans, Charbonnet, you know, we got maybe the the tight ends I might be okay with, although they recovered and had a better day uh, against Rutgers. Eric All seems to finally be breaking his slump, which is nice. Uh, Nick Eubanks had a nice game receiving a forgettable game blocking, especially if you have Drew Singleton who blew him up. (laughs) Yep, former Michigan man, yep. So it's it's a lot, a lot to spread the wealth around. It's hard to get everybody touches, but, I mean, Michigan balanced it with – Five to Cornelius Johnson, four to Jackson and Sainer still, five to Eubanks, four to Ronnie Bell, four to Evans, four to all. Like, that's the best you can do. The best. Yeah, absolutely. And Giles Jackson, I mean, we've been high on him since the moment he set foot on campus, but that was a huge, huge run back. Um, I mean, because we're already starting to climb back in. You start momentum 
shifting a little bit, and then he runs back the opening kick of the second half, and it's like, all right, we've got a game. And boy, did we call that. Did we not call it last week uh, after the Wisconsin game that this was going to be a barn burner, and that's why it was in prime time? We called it. Yeah, this was sex in a Volkswagen. It's uncomfortable, but we won. Like. <laughs> That's exactly what it was. (laughs) That's exactly what it was. Uh, Two more positives before we move on to the negatives. Chris Hinton started to show me a little something. Uh, He had a sack in this one. Kind of, I say. He's improving. He's got a long way to go still, but you can see the talent. And on that sack, he just shrugged a dude off and was in the backfield instantly. And I was like, okay, more of that. Yeah, it was nice to see a flash and finally live up to the five-star billing because I mean, before we just seen him like be competent, like be on the field, like just <laughs> a, a body. Like Michael, Michael Barrett is on the milk carton, by the way. I know he's playing every game, but you can't prove it to me. Like it's not him. <laughs> no, he doesn't exist. But Chris Hinton finally emerged with like an elite move to get around and showed some bend in the inside. I was like, oh my God, Chris Hinton's a man. He is, and I think that he'll continue to get better. Like, a win like this is good for guys like that, too. Like, for them to get a sack, get the win, to make a difference, and realize, hey, you can be a difference maker. There's a reason you were five stars. You're insanely athletic. You're 6'4", 6'5", which is a little big at defensive tackle. But, you know, whatever. It works. They move these guys around. We're so depleted. He's going to play everywhere on the line. As you said, he was splitting time with Jess Spate. So that's where we're at. (laughs) Um, One more honorable mention, Zach Zinter, a guy that I called when we recruited him as the next Ben Bredesen. Uh, He started to prove me right coming in as a freshman in the second half of this game. I mean, we were we are banged up on the O-line, but he played serviceably in this game. Tackles also played serviceably. Yeah, they took time to gel and obviously missing Vastardis hurt at first. But like you said, the second half, they really started to come together and get better and better. Still need some work in run blocking, but Zach Zinter, we have to call him ZZ Top, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a clear nickname there. We're going to work on Cade McNamara. Mac Daddy seems too easy, but ZZ Top is uh, – go ahead and put that one in pen. Yeah, yeah, it's just Sharpie uh, ZZ Top here. But, yeah, he really came along. Like, all the snaps were good, all manageable, all – like, that's what I always worry about with the new center is just, like – Exactly. Ball placement and didn't turn it over and was great at that. The player we missed the most snapping the ball was Cameron Cheeseman. Yep, who accounted for – we'll get to the negatives. We're going to go in on uh, on someone it's in the coming. negatives. It's, it's coming. <laughs> it's coming. You already know. You already know. Uh, but first, want to talk about Homefield, our new premium licensed collegiate apparel brand out of Indianapolis. Um, rocking my hoodie again after a win. Got to do it. Extremely comfortable. Uh, Homefield digs through uh, Michigan's archives. Go find your unique logo, your unique mascot. Get old with it. Get new school with it. Do what you got to do. I like it for the wintertime. I like my uh, t-shirt that just got here for the summertime. Homefield, 30% off Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Go to Homefield Vintage Collegiate Collection or uh, homefieldapparel.com. All right, time to get to the negatives. <laughs> it, there was a lot of, still a lot of negatives. You know, we were, we were hyping it up uh, because it was a win against Rutgers, but let's talk about everything else. <laughs> Let's let's just get into it. We kind of teased this. Quinn Nordine, sir, if you walk off the field and scream at a teammate to do your effing job, when you already missed a perfectly good field goal, you couldn't get your job done, but you want to criticize others and scream at them? Get out of my face. That is inexcusable. That is bad teammate behavior. The opposite of a leader. That is cancerous, abhorrent, repulsive. No place on this roster. I hope he doesn't kick again for Michigan. 
Yeah, I agree with you. And we've we've gone back and forth. We've really waffled on on Quinn Nordine because sometimes he'll come in and hit a 70 yard or whatever ridiculous thing that he does. But he also is a drama queen at the kicker position. And what is his career make percentage? It's got to be right around 50 percent. I mean, you don't get to be that sort of personality like your wild thing, Ricky Vaughn. If you're just a marginal player, you're probably the least consistent player that sees a lot of you know, playing time. And you're going to tell other guys to do your job as though you are notorious for being like a mark of consistency. No, Quinn Nordine, you have a big leg. God saw fit to give you a big leg. And once you're done at Michigan, that'll be good for I have no idea what that, what job you can get if you if you just have a strong leg but have no control whatsoever. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, it makes no sense. And shockingly, for his career, he is 72.4%. On field goals? Yeah, he's 40% this season. That seems bizarre to me that he's that high, because, I mean, there was a stretch where he couldn't even, like, come close to kicking what looks like a reasonable kick. Yeah. I mean, he would just come up, and it would just go straight into the dirt. It was laughable. Dude, it was it was bad. In se- 17, I often forget about that year, he was 19 of 24. That was his best season. Yeah, by far. And now he's an absolute clown shoe. And I mean, he's shown that he can come back and make some more, but I'm just over it. I'm over the circus. It's not worth it. I mean, yeah, he's got a huge leg, but zero accuracy whatsoever. And I mean, we're already having a rough year. You got a lot of guys that are struggling with confidence to hit him with that at halftime and then come back and miss a 35 yarder to win the game. Nah, bro. No, it's that ain't it. No, that ain't it. And this, that one, like, if you're gonna yell at somebody, you gotta come out here and you better not miss again. And exactly. Like you said he's a marginal player acting like he's the quarterback of this team and screaming at people. Cade McNamara yelled at Eric All after he threw a bomb and resurrected this team from the dead. So by all means, yell at everybody. Yell at me. Like Yeah. <laughs> you can call me up. I'll take it. I, I'll sit there and take it. Like, yes, sir. You're right. I was wrong. But you you got it. Doing that when the momentum was dead and you'd already missed the field goal, is just not good for the team. It is not good no, for morale, I, and I think it just he's hurting the team more than he's helping them, not just with on-the-field stuff. Yeah, not not a fan. Like you said, I'd be fine if we just went with Moody and accepted whatever that means. I mean, it's crazy that we have two years' worth of number one recruited kickers, like the, the number one recruiting kicker from two different cycles, and we have a huge, huge kicking problem on this team it, it makes no sense but hey so the special team's credit brad robbins on the comeback my god yeah right good for him we were down on brad robbins so he had a, a serviceable day you get giles jackson returning a touchdown so it wasn't all bad for special teams but there's a kicking problem for sure yeah and it's just i feel like it's persisted for a while now and just this off the field stuff just screaming like no they had enough we're back to our Quinn nordine can kick the ball to canada but he can't pick the province it's always been that, but <laughs> every now and again, I mean, I guess if you launch up enough bombs towards a target every once in a while, you're going to hit that target. This kid hit a 55 yarder in his first kick ever against Florida and hit a 58 yarder against Alabama. Like that's the talent he has, but he's too much of just an idiot to keep it together. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Whatever. Moving on. Well, the, the other negatives, I feel like we've already harped on. What else are we going to say about this defense that hasn't already been said? It's in complete shambles. There's injuries all over. Even without the injuries, they're out of position. No push up front. The linebackers seem lost. Uh, bad days from the safeties. Uh, Brad Hawkins went out and actually got outplayed by his replacement, Hunter Reynolds. Dax Hill 
I'm sure he'll be fine, but he had a, he had a rough day. It's just continues to be bad. People continue to put up record numbers against Michigan's defense. Yeah, this is Rutgers has now joined the other teams besides Minnesota to reach their season high in points scored when they play Michigan. It's it's just becoming a trend. I don't know what else you want us to say about this. It's not going to get fixed overnight. I don't think it'll get fixed under Don Brown. And you were saying off air, like, who could you confidently retain from that defensive staff? I mean, Zordich, we thought maybe what was that guy. But also you made a great point that could it be because we had such strong defensive lines and also we're playing teams like Army, Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern that you know nobody's really throwing the ball is that why we had a top three pass defense every year it's entirely possible it is like i i think the biggest thing still is just the lack of pass rush like no secondary can just hold position for that long without any kind of pass rush when you give them seven seconds to throw every play they're going to pick you apart it's just inevitable but i think the biggest problem was surmised on the two-point conversion to force overtime they run that run play with their uh running back in the wildcat they know he's going to run it and he gets hit three at the three yard line and runs over three michigan players and they just bully ball us to the end zone yeah the uh the whole final sequence there allowing them to score and then allowing the two-point conversion because you you felt like we go up eight with whatever was left you know three minutes in any other year against rutgers or almost anyone other than ohio state that we play we've got this in the bag yeah it's don brown time But now you were like, you didn't feel confident one bit. And all you had to do was not allow the two-point conversion. You allowed them to get the score, but it's like, all right, you get get a chance to redeem yourself. And it was just a draw play, and he ran through everyone. Yeah, it was a wildcat. Like, what are we doing? And then it was not that, oh, we got him stopped. And then he just kept going and kept going. Like, this is what Michigan is supposed to do to people. We're supposed to be the bully, especially at the goal line. Like, the 2015 team that won on the goal line stand against Minnesota. Like, right. Where is that kind of physicality? Where is the Khalid Hill just the offensive line is going to move people even when they were severely undermanned with talent? Like, I don't know what happened because when Harbaugh came to Michigan, said we're going to be the most physical team in the Big Ten. And against Rutgers, they were more physical, especially in that play. Absolutely, man. And the only team that might be less physical is the team that we're playing uh, this coming Saturday, the 0-5 Penn State Nittany Lions. So we're going to break down that and talk about – a little bit of the team needs when we get back right after this break. All right, welcome back to Out of the Blue. We were just talking about the circus tent fire that was Rutgers. We are going to get into what is sure to be another garbage fire against Penn State. But real quick, before we do that, I was thinking about this against Rutgers, and there's definitely a chance for Harbaugh to save his season. We were kind of talking about this just a minute ago. This could theoretically still be Harbaugh's best season. If you won every game remaining on your schedule and only had three losses, wouldn't you think this is actually the best Harbaugh season? Fans want a zag. That is a zag, my friend. That Absolutely. is a zag. <laughs> if, if, if this, if we go to rock bottom in the era and then Caden McNamara just rises up from the ashes like a phoenix, we rise and triumph over all our enemies and beat Ohio State. Hell yes, the best season under Harbaugh. Are you kidding me? Five and three and beating uh, just the Goliath of our existence. And then you uh, you get a play-in game. You go six and three, and then you win your bowl game. Seven and three, you end the season in the top ten after a win over Ohio State. That would be wild, but 2020 has shown us that 
definitely crazier things are possible. That would be on the high end, the the crazy spectrum of things, though. Yeah, I would have been a hell of a lot happier if we'd beat him in 16 or 18, you know, the years when could have gone to the college football playoff. But we're in no position to say, oh, man, I wish we would have beaten him this year. Just want to beat him. <laughs> I don't care yeah, at all what the circumstances are. Take it any year. We can't be picky. And like we don't want COVID to take this game away from us because we need as many chances as we can get because as time goes on, it just looks worse and worse. And we haven't beaten him since Obama's first <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> yeah, that's how long it's been. I can't even say the whole sentence. It hurts. Yeah, it gets bad. I mean, we're about to be several presidents back by the time we get a victory, but we, we count my presidential terms the last time we beat them. Yeah, that's unfortunate. That is unfortunate. But um, all right, I wanted to pose this to you. I threw a a very loose ranking in the doc, but I wanted to talk through this. There are more than 10 team needs right now, which is crazy. I wanted to do five, but I was like, five isn't enough. This team needs so much. So I want to go through what you think the 10 things this team needs. If you keep Harbaugh and he comes back next year, how do you fix the obvious issues that are wrong with this team? And uh, I mean, I'll just I'll just start. I'll throw one out there. Maybe you need better tight end linebacker recruits. That's kind of a fringe tight, a fringe one there, maybe tight end or linebacker. We've recruited linebacker really well, though. We have. They have a lot coming in the next season, but tight end is just thin. Like, is Luke Schoonmaker still on the roster? What is he? What, I haven't, what, I haven't he seen much. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know either. Maybe just got passed up by all in Eubanks. Yeah, I guess I don't know. It's like um, Eubanks forgot how to block, so maybe put him out there just to do that. That's what Nate uh, Shanley used to do, just put him out there to block. Yeah, yeah. So I'd put, all right, tight end recruiting. Pretty low on the list, though. Um, quarterbacks coach is something I threw on there, and you could put this maybe much higher. Uh, Harbaugh really been struggling. Cade McNamara could end up being that guy, but struggling to develop a quarterback. And they don't really have a true quarterback coach, haven't had one since uh well pep hamilton served in that role but jed fish really did wonders as well it's ben mcdaniels now and uh you know it's funny you know who his brother is uh josh, josh mcdaniels wow yeah i mean maybe just a name also i think he also has frosted tips but he's like 51 yeah and he's not throwing 60 yard bombs and resurrecting the program so we're, we're gonna frown upon his frosted tips a little more and <laughs> He's he's fine. We could definitely use an upgrade at that position. His previous experience before coming here was with the, the Bears and Rutgers. So it goes even deeper than that. But this is a position Michigan could really use an upgrade. I agree. Upgraded quarterbacks coach. Uh, secondary coach, which is surprising because I was very much on board Mike Zordich. But this point that we've been talking about literally for maybe just the last 24 hours, I'm buying into more and more that our secondary has been very much overrated because of the pressure we get and the fact that we don't play a lot of air it out teams. And when we do play air it out, play air it out teams, they're able to have success. So I do think Zordich has maybe been overrated. Yeah, I it was a big Zordich fan as you were, but this season is really exposed. There are a lot of flaws and a lot of blown coverages. And I, I like Zordich. I like the things he brings, but this mm -hmm. can't be the elite elite that Michigan can bring in. There has to be somebody better. The way the safeties played this week was damning. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. That They did not. And those are your best two players, two of your best players that are still out there in Hawkins and Hill. And they struggled a bit. So, yeah, secondary could use. And he just came out and, and had a quote that this is his most, you know, 
difficult, challenging year. He's he's struggling, obviously, and could be time for a change there. Um, recruiting coordinator. How do you feel about this? And the recruiting hasn't been awful, but it's been missing in very critical areas. We touched uh, last week. We did a segment where we talked about the recruiting misses on defense and somebody to come in and really, you know, I don't know, hone this thing in a little bit about who we need, the positions that we need, where you need to be putting effort into, um, who's failing as a recruiter and how can we kind of supplement them as a recruiter. That could be pretty useful to this team. I think this one could be even higher. Was it Matt Dudek right now? Yeah. This one should be higher. There needs to be like more coordination, more of a plan. I felt like when Harbaugh got here, that first cycle he had landing Rashawn Gary, like it's like they were aggressive on the trail. Like really nailing people, had a, a a better recruiting staff all the way around. Had some turnover in those positions, but I think it starts from the top with recruiting. I think someone else can come in here and offer a a bigger plan and have more of a strategy for what they're going to go after and how they're going to go after them. Because the last couple of years, there's been a drop. There has been, and I to be honest, I think Matthew Dudek is good at his job. Yeah, I don't even think he's bad at his job. I just think it could be better. And some of this is unfortunately on Harbaugh. And D-line coaching has really taken a step back. Um, you know, we've lost some guys due to transfer, Ambry Thomas sitting out. But there's been big misses on, on the recruiting trail as well. So I think we could upgrade there also. Um, special teams coordinator, losing Partridge. I think that's a need. I think that one hurts, but I think that one could go lower. Because we talked about, you know, the Brad Robbins emergence. Giles Jackson's still doing well. Punt return's been fine. It started out rougher, like early in the season. I think this would have been a bigger issue once against Minnesota with that blocked punt. Sure. I think they've really rounded into form a little bit more. And aside from the kicking, I'm fine with the special teams this season. Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely fine with putting that one lower on this. Like I said, this was just kind of a rough list. The, the closer yeah. we get to the top, the more certain I, I feel about things that we definitely need. And at number five, I put elite defensive tackle recruits. And we've had some elite recruits, Chris Hinton, Mozzie Smith, Aubrey and Solomon. Aubrey Solomon were all elite recruits, but not really one of them has popped. So you need somebody, and this goes back to the recruiting coordinator, somebody that can identify a defensive tackle recruit and get him in, develop them the right way. And uh, I mean, we can't miss at this position like we've been missing anymore. It's one of the most important positions on the field. Yeah. And as we talked about, Jess Spate was playing in this game. We need yes, help. He <laughs> Wilton Spate's brother. Yeah. I mean, no hate, but. I'm glad he's playing hard and earning his time, but Jess Spate is playing in this game. Yeah, well, Jess Spate should not be starting for a Michigan team in year six of Harbaugh where you've had all this time to build recruits, and you should be playing. I mean, Mozzie Smith barely got any run in this one as well, so, I mean, he's not coming along as expected. And we talked about Hinton improving, but since Maurice Hurst left campus, defensive tackle's been a weakness. It hurt a lot watching Michael Dwumford just eat up our interior offensive line. He sure did. He would have been the best. He was the best defensive tackle on the field. Would have been the best one for Michigan by pretty wide margin. Uh, but imagine that he can stay healthy in New Jersey. Yeah, yeah, good for him. I mean, I, I root for him. I, I wish him the best, but boy, we could have used you this year. <laughs> yeah, yeah would have helped a lot. Um, but uh, next one on the list. D-line linebacker coach. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Sean Nua is not it. I don't think so either. I like the guy. He seems like a super nice guy, but uh, D-line looks really, really rough this year. Yeah, what, losing the talent. losing uh, The injuries hurt everything, but from last year to this year, everyone on that team should be better. There should be progression, not regression, and that falls squarely on the shoulders of Sean Nua. 
Greg Madison was a good D coordinator and even better D line coach. And Ohio State's not, you know, fantastic this year, not setting the world on fire at defensive line, but they're getting more than Michigan is right now. And I think Michigan has better talent this year and season talent with experience than Ohio State does. Yes. I agree with everything you just said. I think linebacker coach as well. Brian Jean Mary is a great recruiter, so you maybe want to hold on to him just because of his recruiting chops. But the linebackers have looked lost all year long, even when uh, McGrone was in. He was struggling and having a down year. So linebackers and D-line both have regressed this year. So I would think if you're making a change with Don Brown, you, you probably shift around what you got on defense as well. You have to. The front seven has been inexcusable in some of these games and I don't I like I said there's not a magic fix to it and before we get to the rest of the defense sandwiched in between our team needs is a reliable kicker just someone <laughs> anyone Carlo Kemp we've been pushing for it Carlo Kemp what's your leg like what's your leg strength I think he can kick pretty far I mean the guy's a house like he see. is a house let's put him in there he's gonna get some inertia up behind that thing yeah Quinn Nordeen made zero field goals in this game oh for three Carlo Kemp can't be worse <laughs> you cannot be worse you can match that but you can't be worse exactly so what, what do we have to lose like I mean even going back man we've had struggles this whole time with it it took everybody a little bit of time to you know get used to this get used to that but Quinn Nordeen was supposed to be the answer Jake Moody was our best freshman a few years ago we went 10 of 11 and only one he missed was like 55 or something. And then yeah. he forgot how to kick too. And they're both number one recruits, kicking recruits. But Rutgers goes out and gets a guy that they had signed like at the beginning of this year. This is his first year kicking. And he looked like a more competent kicker than Nordine. Yeah. Some guy that they just went and picked up off the street. Like he's, he was he's working played soccer a for them. Yeah, yeah. Go get a soccer recruit. Like it shouldn't be that hard to find a reliable kicker. No, there's you've got to do something. This This is just... This can't last, and it's going to cost Michigan games, and it should have cost them this game. Should have cost them this game, but we found a way to uh, to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat. No no thanks to Quinn Nordine. Uh, at number two, and maybe reliable kicker should be above this, but uh, elite cornerback recruits. And some of this is maybe Zordich because we haven't recruited the position horribly, but if you listen to last week's pod, we really touched on a lot of the misses. Um, Andre Seldon and Darian Green-Warren, are two freshmen that you're probably going to see more of. Jalen Perry's a four-star. You're probably going to see more of him as well. But we we really need to be hitting on some five-stars in the secondary, especially with Don Brown being our defensive coordinator. You need guys that can stick in man, so you need athletes. Need studs to be stepped up, step in here, because you're going to be left on an island. And if there's not going to be a pass rush, we better damn sure have talent out there to step up. Because Vincent Gray, to his credit, played much better this week. It's going forgotten. He played much better, but have to get some talent out here. The cornerback position was our one of our weakest positions heading into the season, and that remains the same right now. Well, we're trending uh, crystal balls for two five-star corners. I think they saw that they can come in and play immediately, so maybe this will change, but I don't know that they need to be coached by the current staff, which leads us to our number one team need if you keep Harbaugh, and that is a new defensive coordinator. I feel pretty firm that this should be number one. Pretty firm. I feel more confident in this that my dad is my dad. Like <laughs> we don't. Don Brown is not it. Like we've been Don Brown fans. We are defenders, but he's just gone off a cliff, and the game passed him by. That's it. Happens to some coaches. Sometimes you're on top of the world, and sometimes you're Chip Kelly, and the world's on fire. You're innovating offenses. You go to the NFL. Now you're at UCLA, winning three games a year. Like sometimes college football passes you up, and that's what's happened to Don Brown. 
Life comes at you fast. But look, this isn't a job that you can have a whole year where you write it off and say, well, give me another year. That's not how it works. Harbaugh gets that because we've committed seven and a half million dollars a year to him. But you're the defensive coordinator. You're still going to get one point one million dollars this year. But we can move off of that, especially if you're allowing over 400 yards a game. You said we were what the number 93 total defense. Hey, 92. 92, sir. You, <laughs> you you hold your tongue. There's only like 30 more teams to even compare against. Yeah, only yeah, only about 30 more teams. And Don Brown's really competing to fight at the bottom. We are ahead of Minnesota and Maryland, though. So there's that. Yeah, two other teams having absolute dumpster fire of seasons. But look, there's nothing that I've seen from Don Brown. And this kind of started two years ago against Ohio State. And then last year was just reaffirmed in a blowout that, to be fair, not all of that was his fault. But it still wasn't great. It still wasn't great. And it wasn't great against Alabama and against elite teams. It's so easy for a good offensive coordinator to figure out how to beat him. I, I think you're right. I think you said it perfectly. The game has passed him by. And Jeremy Pruitt, Will Muskamp, Marcus Freeman, come on down. Those are my boys. Yeah, bring them on in. Anybody. I mean, it's the one thing about it's good about being Michigan. And one of the few things, it's a very high level job. You want to move on up. This is a logical step. Absolutely. And we can offer you apparently $1.1 million per year. So we can uh, outpay a lot of other people. So <laughs> offer you $2 million if you learn how to rush the pasture and not give up 430 yards a game. Please, <laughs> for the love the, of God. The bar is uh, low. It's not like when we needed somebody to take over for DJ Durkin in 15. That bar right. was high because that defense was outstanding. And Brown came in, raised it to new heights in 16, 17. That 18 defense might have been the best of all. I think it was statistically. And then slow from Ohio State on, it's been a regression. And now we're off the cliff. <laughs> Completely off the cliff now. And I don't think that you can climb your way back up. But speaking of low bars, <laughs> let's, talk, let's talk about this game between the 2-3 and three Wolverines and the 0-5 Penn State Nittany Lions. And as surprising as 2-3 and three is for Michigan, 0-5 for Penn State is more surprising. I can't believe they haven't won a game. Like, it's just shocking to me. After... I thought they kind of got hosed against Indiana, but it is what it is. They played competent against Ohio State, lost by 13. And now, Happy Valley's on fire. They can't do anything right. Uh, it's really tragic that Journey Brown uh, can never play football again. He might have been the best running back in the Big Ten. That yeah. was sad to see. Uh, but they have indeci indecisiveness at quarterback. Their coaching is a disaster. They have injuries all over the place. We think we have it bad. No, my friend. Penn State has it worse because James Franklin's contract is thick. That is a mean contract. You really can't move off of that, which is why you're not hearing. And it does. I, I do want to touch on this. It gets really annoying with how much crap Jim Harbaugh gets compared to James Franklin when I think that Harbaugh is a better coach. And people are going to point to, well, you won a Big Ten championship. We beat him 49 to 10 that year. Yeah. yeah. And he had Saquon Barkley. The only reason they went to the Big Ten Championship is because of the JT with short play. Correct. We would have gone to the Big Ten. We should have gone. We were the best team in the Big Ten that year. We boat raced Penn State. And then after that, it's been questionable decisions after questionable decisions. They've beaten us a couple times in that span. They beat us last year in a game that I think we should have won. I think we were the better team on the field last year. I think we'll be the better team on the – well, this year's weird. Who knows, <laughs> Who knows what we're going to see this year. But I think James Franklin is – severely overrated and Jim Harbaugh is a better coach than him but yeah you can't move on from him because as you said his contract is thick with two C's thick with a Q thick with a Q I mean 
he got the big extension after the Big Ten year, and everyone just loved James Franklin. Oh, he's great. He's this. No, James Franklin is a top-tier recruiter and a below-average head coach. That's what he is. And he's always petulant in his press conferences and is super unlikable. So seeing this team struggle, as far as James Franklin goes, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I don't like him at all. The way I mean, he went after a fan last year, yelled at a fan who told him he was like doing a bad job. I'm sure it was a little more colorful language than that. But like these are fans. They're drunken idiots like you and me in the in the stands. Like you can't you're the head coach. You're getting paid millions of dollars. Like that comes with the territory, my friend. You're going to have to take some criticism. Yeah, rise above it. It's okay. You don't think Michigan like players and coaches want to yell at dumb fans all the time? Of course they do. But they handle it like adults, and they just get off the field. It's okay because no one's going to win that altercation, especially not the person who's being yelled at on the field with the spotlight. Look, you and I don't say anything to the people in our comments that threaten to drown other commenters with bleach. And <laughs> We're not getting paid like James Franklin to show restraint. So you need to show some restraint. I mean, people uh, people can be trolls, and especially if you're not performing up to the standards that you're getting paid to. So, I mean, the, the criticism of James Franklin is completely warranted. I think Jim Harbaugh is a better coach. Um, they're better than 0-5, but... I, I mean, this is going to be a really strange game again. It's going to be, once again, it's going to be like a circus tent catching fire. I have no idea what's going to happen, but I'm totally down to watch a bunch of clowns, clowns with singed clown shoes sprinting out of a burning circus tent. I'm fine with this as long as Cade McNamara comes in as the extinguisher. That's all we need. <laughs> he is. Well, I mean, he is the extinguisher because our defense is, they're going to score at will. They actually have like a top 40 defense compared to our number 92 defense. So they, they actually have a better defense than Ohio State statistically. It's so funny. We're talking about a team having like the 37th ranked defense when in all years prior to this, we'd be like, eh, their defense isn't that good this year because Michigan's like a top two defense. But Right, there we go. Number 11 in the country. That's all right because we got number three. Yeah. But yeah, now we're like comparing 39 to 92. <laughs> we've, uh, yeah, we've definitely gone off the rails here with where the defenses are. But yeah. If anything, this game is going to be entertaining. It's going to be a shootout, as Michigan games are probably going to be from here on out. And in a weird year, in a down year, I'm fine with this. At least we're going to be fun. Yeah, no, I think this is going to be a fun game. And Rutgers, if you're into, you know, torturing yourself, was also fun. Upon a rewatch, it's much more enjoyable than watching it live. That's for sure. Yeah, knowing the end result helps a lot. But watching, because watching Quinn Nordine miss the field goal in the first overtime, you're like, this is how we're going to go down but not with a bang, but with a whimper. Okay. With a Quinn Nordine led whimper. That is, I never want, I'd rather lose by the refs than Quinn Nordine. Honestly, it would have been such karma for him after yelling at everybody and we lose on his kick. <laughs> I mean, that's what the way it was setting up and he would have been ostracized forever, but uh, now he gets another chance to upset everyone. I'm sure Aiden Hutchinson and people put him in line. Like, listen, unacceptable. Don't do that. I'd pay good money to watch Aiden Hutchinson backhand that boy. <laughs> Advocating for player violence. This is how we're going to save the program. Not violence, just like a classic backhand. I mean, okay. it's from, an, from a different era. <laughs> we're bringing in a new era of Michigan football here. <laughs> Look, it's not working. I think we need to go to Aiden Hutchinson backhands. <laughs> It's his ACL that's hurt, not his backhand. We are not going to be running sprints anymore. You will face five backhands from Aiden Hutchinson and ten Hail Marys. <laughs> Every time that you blow a coverage. Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson just sitting there, <laughs> taking the glove off. <laughs> just blowing on the backs of his knuckles, warming it up. 
I was practicing on a tree branch earlier. <laughs> Come here, Quinn. <laughs> like that's where we're headed. It's oh. only a matter of time. But uh, all right, man, you got predictions for this? Oh, what time does this game? Is this another primetime game? game? Noon. Thank God. I know this. Okay. This game is noon. Maryland's three thirty. Ohio State's noon as always. There we go. Yeah, that that's what I need. I can't sit around waiting all day for absolute chaos like that. It's bad for the heart. Yeah, it's just it's so nervous. You're sitting here trying to be a productive human, going to pumpkin patches and Christmas events and, you know, getting Thanksgiving things ready. But you, all you're thinking about is this game. And it's like, why are you nervous? Oh, Michigan's playing Rutgers. Like, you need to grow up, Andy. Yeah. My my buddy who was with me that night who has never watched an ounce of college football was like, isn't Rutgers like a laughing stock? And I was like, yes. Yes, they are. And that's where we're at this year. So, yeah, I don't want to wait around all day for that. Just give it to me in the morning so I can have a beer at an unreasonable hour. Yeah, this uh, woman that has been gracious enough to uh, bless me with her presence at this time in my life, I was telling her about the game. She's like, oh, that that's nice. She's like, how's it going? I was like, I feel like I've been set on fire and I have to watch myself burn. She's like, oh, okay, so dinner tomorrow? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I'll be there. <laughs> yeah, I, I'll be there burnt, but I'll be there. Yeah, but, yeah, singed beyond recognition, but surely there. All right, prediction for this one, man. I am going to go uh, 40 to 37 Wolverines. I am in a similar line of thinking. I think that now you've got something to lean on with McNamara. I think we will be able to score on this defense. Statistically, they're a better defense, and actually they're a better defense. But I believe in the offensive weapons that we have. I think it's going to be a barn burner. I've got it at 35-31 Michigan. I love it. If we hold this team to 31 points, I'll be so happy. That's yeah, that's a good point. 30 only 31 points. I keep going low every time. I don't know why. I just am so used to predicting a much lower score than 31 points, but I think that's the highest I've gone all year. I think it is too. 31 would uh would that be the second yeah, Minnesota only scored 24 on us. So I think 31 would be right around the lowest since. So that'd be nice. It'd be good. All right, you know what? I've got to adjust it. I've got to get back into reality. Let's go 38-35. Let's go. Pump those numbers up. Those <laughs> are rookie numbers. numbers. If we're going to win, we're going to have to put up a ton of points. Uh, how many touchdown passes for Cade McNamara? Over, under, three and a half. I got him at four. Let's go. That's, God, I we believe in Cade. Like That's the only way this season is going to be enjoyable or productive. That's what we got right now. Cade and some serious offensive weapons that just need to get the ball into their hands with some some room to work. Yeah, watching Mikey Sanderson dive full spread for a Joe Milton out route was definitely just a sad moment. It's like, look at the effort, and just wide open and missed him. And then Cade comes in, and Cade is able, baby. Cade is able. Smooth as peanut butter. I love it. It's going to be fun, man. I'm really excited for the noon kickoff, and it's nice to have, you know, just a glimmer of hope again. It's nice. Absolutely, man. Enjoy some some good food, some good company, and hopefully enjoy this game. We'll uh, touch base again next week, hopefully talking another Michigan victory. Cool. Until then, brother, happy Thanksgiving. Indeed. Same to you, my friend, and same to you, all of our listeners. All right, for Out of the Blue, that's going to do it. Uh, make sure that you like, share, subscribe, wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Music, follow us on Spotify, Sp follow us on Twitter, at Brew. For Out of the Blue, I am Jared. That is Andy reminding you that wherever you go, go blue.